Welcome to today's episode of Cracking Copy. I'm Ella Hoyos and I'm going to be talking to Brittany McBean, copywriting strategist and a copywriter's coach. And we're talking about pricing for copywriters and predominantly premium pricing. So how you build and design a service, a really great client experience that then can command greater prices. So it's a slightly longer episode today, but a really empowering conversation and one that will help focus your marketing efforts for maximum results. Also, if you're listening to this podcast in the month of May, then you are in luck because Brittany is opening the doors to her five-figure leap program absolutely free. So take a listen to the podcast, see if you think it's for you. I'll give you the details at the end. Cracking Copy is a marketing and copywriting podcast where we lift the lid on writing for business and read between the lines of effective copy. This is a podcast for creative entrepreneurs and savvy business owners like you who understand the value that great copy can bring to their bottom line. We dive into a different aspect of writing for business in each episode, debunk the myths about how we should write and explore the ways that writing can be fun, conversational and creative while also being high impact for serious results. So listen, laugh and learn with us, Ella Hoyos and Minnie McBride, as we share our words and wisdom in each snack-sized episode. Expect some light bulb moments, interesting guests and practical takeaways as we crack the copy code together. I'm so pleased to have Brittany McBean here today with me. She is a launch strategist and a conversion copywriter who you work with course creators and online educators to write ethically fueled, persuasive, punchy, personality packed copy. But also I'm going to describe you as a copy business coach because you are the creator and coach on the five figure leap. I'm a student on the five figure leap and that's how we met. You don't necessarily teach us the copywriting nuts and bolts. We are copywriters that come to you for help with structuring our businesses in a way that are gonna, is going to serve us better and, importantly, is going to serve our clients better. The program really is a bat signal to attract premium clients who have the budget and who are ready to invest in brilliant services that will really lift the results of their business. So the great thing about Brittany is, and the course that you've created, is really with the proven success that you've had as a copywriter, you have literally packaged your systems and processes, your lead generation secrets, and your client experience strategy, and put that in a program for other copywriters to learn from. So it's really fantastic. Um, and I know there's nothing more powerful than having that mentorship and accountability that we have in a program, and to be able to sort of lean into strategies that work so that we can build our own businesses in a similar scale. So Brittany, would you like to introduce yourself, please? You just did it. I mean, <laughs> you want to come be my copywriter? <laughs> with words. No, that sums it up. I am a strategist and copywriter. I um, run a micro agency. So for the client side of the business, it's me and one other writer, and we're writing um, primarily launch and funnel copy. Um, and strategy for people who have um, online courses, programs, um, masterminds, you know, online educators, course creators. And usually we're writing large funnels or or launches and running uh, larger projects. 
But then I do also mentor copywriters who um, are out of that kind of startup and beginner phase. I found that when I was trying to grow my business after that beginner phase and was like, all right, what's next? Like, like, how do I, like, I got it. I've, I've started it. I've had some clients. I think I know what I'm doing, but I've hit that wall. And like Google was turning up nothing and YouTube was turning up nothing. I was like, yeah, I know all this, but what's next? How do I actually set up the back end? And how do I actually like create an SOP? And like, how do I actually hire a junior writer for the first time? And there was nothing out there. So I created something that um, mentors other copywriters who are moving into that intermediate stage or might even be in that intermediate stage and are moving into that scaling stage and are trying to establish streamlined systems and processes and um, growing their business into something that functions as a premium business that provides a high-end and white glove experience for their clients and commands high-end prices. So that's what I do, both of those things. And that's our that's our day in and day out in our business. That's brilliant. I'm really looking forward to sort of digging into this now because I know for a lot of our audience who are other copywriters and small businesses who write their own copy, um, we're always looking for advice on pricing and, and that to have the confidence uh, to pitch to win those bigger projects. Um, so let's dig in. Yeah. So really, I want to ask you first off about your business journey and, and how it all started. I think like many of us, I never sat down and said, I, I am going to be a copywriter, you know, in the, may, in the way that most little kids don't sit down and say, I'm going to, you know, major in communications or I'm going to major in business. You know, we don't want to be an astronaut or, or whatever, whatever that, that thing is. Um, my background, my degree is in musical theater, worked in theater admin and education for a while and then nannied. And then, you know, it's just one of those like windy paths of just finding those low paying soul sucking jobs just to kind of stay afloat. And in 20, 19. My daughter was born in 2018 and I was home with her for a year. And in 2019, I just kind of, um, but had this weird idea of becoming a social media manager, not sure where that came from, but kind of started to do it and very quickly hated it. But in that exploration of starting that world and getting an LLC and connecting with and meeting people online who call themselves copywriters um, and it kind of bridge this gap between social media and copywriting. So I was, was introduced to this idea and this world of marketing and messaging and using words for sales. And once I found that, it was like the the compass arrow was like boing, like like this is it. I just got really excited about about that and felt just got instinct of like, I get that. Like I know that that thing. Um, and then getting, seeing this world of online courses and education and programming, coaching and launches and funnels. I mean, I had no vocabulary for that. I had never seen a funnel um, that, that was just not, not in my world. But the second I was exposed to it, I was just hooked. It just, and, and it just made sense to me. You know, it just, mm-hmm. it was like putting vocabulary to something that you hadn't been able to articulate before. Like it just made sense. And so I just got really, really hungry and started trying to learn as much as I could and and putting some technical skill to things that seemed instinctive, um, even though I had no no training. 
um, and somehow convinced a couple people to to be my first clients and um, and then convinced a, a friend who was a a skilled and trained copywriter to um, help me with my first few projects and look over my shoulder so that I wasn't just winging it with my clients' money. And it, it just kind of went from there. But Brittany, that is so interesting when you tell me your journey into copywriting, because actually it kind of reflects how I got started in it too. I left my old job behind to start raising a family and I moved to a different part of the country. And at the time I, you know, I had my baby goggles on. They were very rose tinted about this wonderful life I've had <laughs> raising children. And um, I didn't really think about how I would return to work beyond that. I mean, I'd resigned from my job and it was only whilst being at home thinking my life has changed so profoundly. Now I have this child. In fact, I have two children and I cannot fit my round peg into that square hole that was my former career. I need to reinvent myself and my job. And I, like you, started out in social media management and quickly decided it wasn't for me. But the reason I did that was because I could work from home and work remotely. And that suited my new lifestyle then. And that worked around the school runs and things like that. And like you, I, when I discovered copywriting, I thought, yes, this is it. This is it for me. I used to be a newspaper editor. I was a magazine editor. But I realized with copywriting, particularly for online businesses and online course creation, while it's it ticks the box in being a thing I can do remotely from home and fit it around my life, it's also a new skill set as well. And I had to, I've had to do a lot of learning and upskilling because writing a newspaper article is completely different from writing a sales page for an online course creator, for example. So that's what's brilliant about our businesses, isn't it? Is that flexibility. I'm really interested to know in your rise from those early days when you really zoomed in on copywriters, you had phenomenal success in those early years. Tell me a little bit about that. When you started in this world, I think I remember you quoting from, you know, your 2019 year, you earned a few thousand dollars. And then in 2020, things really blew up. Tell me about that. Yeah, it. It's not a super sexy thing to talk about opportunity being the thing that skyrockets someone because you can't really sell luck. You know, we love to sell like I did this thing. And if you do this thing too, that, that if you pay me, I can teach you to do it. And it's, it's a combination of things. And so I, I think it's really important to acknowledge that like I had a couple opportunities that made a really big difference. And because of some very specific and intentional work that I was doing, those opportunities snowballed. And if I wasn't doing those things, I wouldn't have been able to, to use those opportunities. So for me in 2019, I started that social media thing that did not last long, made that switch to copywriting. And what I realized was like, I could learn how to write headlines, right? I could learn headline formulas. I could learn how to write a sales page. I could like stay up late and watch a training. I could practice optimizing. I could like, I could do these things in my spare time. I, I don't, I don't do a hustle anymore. Like I'm done it for, I don't do weekends, but like I could do that early on. Right. But what I couldn't do was like hit a deadline. <laughs> what I couldn't do was like not make my inbox feel overwhelming. What I couldn't do was figure out how to write a contract. It was those kind of things, like the operational, the organizational stuff that just felt so, so overwhelming, so out of reach, so like beyond my knowledge and my comprehension. So 
it started feeling really overwhelming and really, re- it started spiraling out really, really fast. And um, I was one of my very first clients was, it was really not a good relationship. It was, I think they were probably a really wonderful person, but it was a really, 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 really unhealthy relationship. And I don't know why I didn't quit right away. Like it was, it was bad enough to just send me running. There was a moment where like I had a panic attack. I was in the car on the way to the Y with my year and a half year old in the back of the car. And I would put her in childcare at the Y. They would do two hours a day. And that's how I'd work. I would put her in the <laughs> childcare and I would just sit in the lobby and work. I would, I would definitely not go to the gym. I would wear my gym clothes. So I fit in, but like, I would just sit there work um, at the Y and then would work at her nap time. And anyway, I was, I was in the car and I started having a panic attack and had to pull over and and I was like, that's it. And so I went home and that day and I talked to my husband and um, I ended up talking to him and and we did not have the resources at the time. There was no business bank account. There were no, there was no separate finances or my business finances for my personal finances. The business was not making any money. Like money was being spent as, on bills as soon as it came in. But I just said, either I have to stop this and I really love doing this and I think I'm good at it. And if I don't do this, then I got to go get a job at Lowe's or I got to go do something else. And I don't know what that is, or I think I need support and the money isn't there. So can we take a chance? Like, can we pull money out of the savings that we don't have or do I need to stop this? And, and it's not that I had to ask my husband for permission. It's that it was our personal finances and we had to make a team decision. Um, he doesn't say shit about my business finances now because I have a business bank account and mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but, but, you know, he is a very kind and, and trusting person. And he was like, yeah, we can, we can take a chance and we can postpone this bill and do this and whatever. And so um, I think this was like nine months into my business and I just reached out to, I didn't know what I needed. I got very, very, very lucky. I didn't know how to hire. I didn't know how to write a job description. I didn't even know what job that I needed. And I just happened to find the right person at the right time. And what I ended up hiring was a highly skilled OBM. I just thought I needed a VA. A VA isn't even a job. It is a it is an industry. That's not a, that's not a job. It is an entire industry. <laughs> but I just thought I needed a VA. And um, I've, I found someone who is exceptionally skilled in systems and organization. And and I said, I think I'm really good at this creative work and I'm really good at this strategy, but I can't, I can't structure a business. Can you help me with that? And so I, I explained, I communicated. And what that means is I verbally diarrheaed on her for like hours, <laughs> what I envisioned a client experience being, or at least what I thought the end goal should look like. And she helped me put that into systems and then helped implement that. Um, and create things that, and, and it was, a, I mean, I did a lot of hard work. She was like, great. Now you need to go write all of this, or you need to go create this email, or you need to figure out what you want. But she helped me start to create these experiences, or at least know what hard decisions I had to make. And when my client was being really abusive or was asking me to go way, 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 way out of scope, or when we were six months over on a project, she helped me write the email that said, we have a kill dead date and I will not work on this any further. And we are done. You know, those, those really hard things. Mm-hmm. That was the first really hard decision I had to make. And I made that before I was really making money. And I do not, I say that because that was my story, not because I'm advocating that people spend money they don't have, or that you take out a credit card, that you have to spend money to make money. That's not what I teach in terms of team building is if you need support, you find the highest skilled, highest 
qualified, highest paid person for that role that you need with the budget that you have for the fewest hours that you can afford. So if you only have $100, then you hire a $50 an hour person for two hours because what they can get done in two hours will transform your business. You do not go find a $2 an hour person for 50 hours. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Don't do that. That will, that will ruin your business and your life. Um, So anyway, uh, so because I did that work, when my name got passed to a big name client through absolute luck, it was just, I had met someone in a Facebook group that I randomly did a call with that it just, it was absolute luck, but my name got passed to a big name client that by the time they got us on a sales call with me, they had already had a really, really, um, a really good experience and the trust was there. And they were really impressed by, um, the organization and the communication. And they really felt like they were going to get a really quality product and a really quality experience. And they were willing to take the chance on working with me. And then that turned into the next opportunity, which turned into the next opportunity, which turned into the next opportunity. And then opportunities started coming outside of that opportunity that, that weren't related, that I didn't have to rely on that referral or that name. And that turned into a business that averages $30,000 a contract. That's a really interesting story. And you're totally right to have the support systems in place to help you to have that sounding board and that sense check from a business partner is super, super helpful. And, and also to be prepared to invest in your own business. And I, I've used savings to invest in my business and I only invest what I can afford to, but every every investment has paid off in some shape or form. And certainly having a mentor or if if you're not even if you're not ready to hire yet, just having the accountability of um, a mentor or even a peer in the same industry, I think is, is super helpful. Now that you have been running the five figure leap for two years now, I believe. Mm-hmm. 2021. So you you had some really high profile clients in 2020. You rode the wave of of the kind of launch boom where we were all sat at home in the pandemic buying courses. Am I right in thinking that was one of your most profitable years? Yeah. So so I didn't really answer the question you asked. I'm famous for that. So I do have that obnoxious story that is not really the overnight success. It did take two years, but on paper it looks quick. But in 2019, after taxes, I took home $7,000. It was $11,000 total before taxes in the door. And in 2020, we did $186,000 in the door in revenue. Um, and all of that was client work. I did not have any digital products, any scalable products. Um, and, and that is really important because I think a lot of people either talk about how much revenue they're making and it is like a scalable product or um, a lot of copywriters think they can't make six figures with clients. So we did $186,000 with just client work alone in 2020, but also that was really, really chaotic for me. I did not really have a consistent team and I did have to bring in a lot of contracted writers because I said yes to every opportunity that came in the door without a lot of planning or forethought. forethought. Um, it was not the biggest year we've had. Um, Our biggest year to date, I think was 
35K in, in client work. Um, but 2020 was definitely significant and definitely the biggest growth we've had. And it was absolutely, it was a combination of the business growing because of opportunities and, and just that kind of snowball that happens and, um, and 2020 being the boom that it was. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds to me like you've learned a hell of a lot during that process and through that chaos, you've learned you need the organizational skills and you recruit for that. And I've also had some poor client experiences in the early days of my business, but I've learned so much from that and it just lays the foundations then to, to do it again, but better, you know, to take those mistakes. I feel like we only learn from our mistakes actually. So they're kind of critical to our success in the long run. We Um, change our process and some, and sometimes our contract after every single project. And it doesn't mean that something went wrong. Like it just means that we optimize Mm-hmm. every single project and it could be really small like it's not catastrophic it could just be something really small let's add this boundary onto our um, onboarding let's make sure to communicate this one thing let's add this resource let's add this link let's add this to a deliverable let's um, take this meeting out because it was highly unnecessary let's make this a loom video instead of a meeting you know or let's add this to the contract I mean we optimize every single process uh, or ever after every single project and it doesn't Sometimes it means that something went kind of wrong, but it doesn't always, it just, you're not going to get it right the first time. I like the fact that you, you have a big project, but you'll break it down into it's itemized into each itemized thing. And then you can optimize on those little things. It's that small incremental steps that Mm -hmm. are greater than the sum of the parts. Now I know that you've coached a lot of people coming through the doors of the five figure leap. You've coached a lot of copywriters what mistakes do you see or what things do you see in how beginner copywriters price their work? I'm very, very, very passionate about the messaging and the copy and the strategy that we do for our clients. And that I think is where my skill lies creatively. But when I also, I also love teaching and when I wanted to create and teach and, and mentor for lack of a better word, um, I knew that I wanted to do something. I, I honestly wanted to hand over a business strategy because that's what I didn't feel like I had. And that's what I felt like I had to earn and pay for and and, and hire other experts to teach me. And um, so that's what I wanted to teach. And so the, the program that I teach and the students that I mentor, they're at a more intermediate level. And, and by that, I mean like this, they're not getting their first few clients, but they're they're in that place where it's really difficult to say, okay, I've, I've had my first few clients. I've, I've got the entry-level clients in the door and I've done the low ticket or the, those like entry-level projects, but like, how the heck do I go from that to the next level? Because it can't, like, I can't just raise my prices and I can't just like ask somebody to afford something that they can't afford. And, and it's like running into a brick wall. And I know what that feels like. And for me, it happened quickly, but I was still there. And I like, I can, I remember it like it was yesterday. And and I talk to people every day. It's very, very frustrating. And it is surprising the amount of logical fallacies that there are at that stage of business, the amount of assumptions that copywriters have that prevent them from moving forward 
that are simply untrue. And I'm not talking about mindset stuff. Maybe it is mindset. I'm not a big mindset person. For me, like there is actual factual, tangible information in context that if you had, you would understand that these things are just fundamentally not true. And so I see copywriters saying things like, I can't charge this price because I don't have any case studies. And I'm like, I've been doing this for four years. I have signed, sealed, and delivered fifty to $60,000 contracts. We charge $30,000 for a package just on average. I have had one client ever, ever ask me for like a case study. And I'm not saying that clients should have. This isn't just to be super, super clear. This is not about like pulling a bait and switch or never not being able to make people money. That's a different conversation. I'm talking about like, like confidence here, but like, I can't even get on the sales call with someone because I don't have a big name case study or I haven't written a million dollar campaign. Like I hear this all the time. I've had one client ever ask me if I've ever written a specific dollar amount launch and it ended up being a huge red flag. I did not move forward with them and it was highly problematic. Like that says a lot to me. That says a lot what clients at that level care about is quality of experience, your process, whether you get them, whether you can partner with them, whether you can collaborate with them. They care about strategy. They do care about ROI, but they will understand your ROI through all of those other things, right? Like I see that and I'm just like, that's that doesn't happen. That's not a thing. I hear people say things like, oh, they already have copywriters on their team. Why would they need me? And I'm like, that's exactly why. They have these junior copywriters on their team. And I'm not sitting here shitting on junior copywriters, but like what they have invested in are full-time employee writers at a at a salary that they can afford, that they can sustain. And these are not people that are running million-dollar campaigns. These are not strategists. These are junior copywriters pumping out content and they are reaching out to you because they need someone to partner with for a multi-six-figure or a million-dollar campaign because their full-time employee is is supplementing, is filling in the gap. The amount of ways that I hear intermediate-level copywriters disqualify themselves are like they're so like they work so hard, like they get so creative and work so hard to disqualify themselves, and I'm like. These things are fundamentally untrue. This is not how the industry works. This is not how the world works. This is not what clients are looking for. Like, this is not true. Like, I hear people all the time say, oh, well, I only have 10 years experience in a marketing agency. You know, like, I've never had a freelance business. Like, I don't have case studies. Who am I? Like, I don't have a big name. I'm like, is this a joke? (laughs) I have... I have five years experience, like kicking my face and singing a high C on the, on stage. I have four years in launch copywriting. Like, I don't, I don't know, know anything, you know? And yet I have no problem charging this. I have no problem talking about my accomplishments because I know that I do good work. And I like my clients say I do good work. My launches make a lot of money. I feel really good about the work that we put out the door. I feel really great about the experience that we deliver our clients. Like, like I would, I would put our, our copy, our experience, our process, our business up against anyone. But these students that I teach, like they have more knowledge, more experience, more talent in their pinky finger than I will 
ever have. Like, I want them to teach me. And I'm like, you think you have no experience? This is an absolute joke. You've worked in an agency. You have worked in a organization with teams and people and systems and processes that are pumping out copy and content with budgets and and running ad campaigns with like all of this money behind it and testing and tools. Like you have so much information. You have the amount of things that you can take and put into your business and the amount of things that you can bring into a client project immediately before you've even formed your LLC and set up your email is more than I have right now. Like right now. I think this is the value that you bring on the mentor or the chief coach on, on the five-figure leap. It's that real knack for strategy and critical thinking and and taking the umbrella view of the copywriting industry and, and the you know the world of business and actually lasering in on what's important um, to a client. And look, okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Not everything is like true across the board. Like they sell avocados at the grocery store. They also sell bananas. Both are delicious, right? Like, yes, somebody may want to work with a famous copywriter. Somebody may want to work with me because they've heard me on a bunch of podcasts and they either, I wrote for this one person and they really want to work with that person's copywriter. And that makes them feel really like, like they've really made it. And maybe that's, maybe that's a good thing. That does not say anything bad about that person. Or maybe they've heard about how I write copy or our specific research process or how we message or my values or, or whatever. And like, and that's fine. That does not say anything negative about that person. And somebody just wanting to work with a quote unquote, like big name copywriter or famous copywriter, which I'm not saying I am at all, but like that could also be a red flag, right? Like if somebody just wants to work with a famous copywriter, that could be a big red flag. Your client should care about their experience. They should care about your knowledge. They should care about your expertise. And if they don't, that is a problem and you don't want to work with them, right? So like, who cares if they've heard of your name before? And if somebody is coming to the sales call saying, I'm sorry, who are you? Absolutely not. Gross. (laughs) Go home, go to your room. You're grounded. No, thank you. And the truth is, if your client or your prospective client is getting on a sales call being like, prove yourself, then they've, they've got bigger problems because they, they need a copywriter. It is the bias is in your favor. They are begging for you to be the right person. They need someone to make them money. They are showing up on this sales call, hoping that you are the right person because they don't want to go get on another sales call. They don't want to waste their own time. Like the bias is in your favor. You are literally the only one disqualifying yourself. There's just so many like logical fallacies that the, these are just made up stories. And and I mean, I've had, a, I, I know I'm ranting, but I'm, I'm going to say this one thing. I had a copywriter <laughs> say to me the other day, like you asked another, all these um, like pitfalls that I see and using social media is another one. I talk about this all day long. Like you're not going to get a client from your email list. You're not going to get a client from social media. Like stop it. They are not downloading lead magnets. They're not like, these are scalable, um, audience building lead gen that this is this is for scalable products this is not for one-on-one high-end services this is not for for client work sure does it work maybe but i have never gotten a client from social media i've never gotten a client from an email list but i had a copywriter say to me one time like oh i've got to like keep pumping out social media content and i was like why like have you ever gotten a client from social media no like yeah me neither why are we doing this she's like well 
I always like, if I'm going to check out if someone's legit or not, or if I'm going to buy someone's program, the first thing I do is go and see if they're active on social media. And that's how I know, like, if they're like running their business, I was like, okay, but do your clients do that? She's like, I don't know. (laughs) You should find that out. Otherwise you're spending a lot of time. So I haven't posted on social media in six months, but I've sure made six figures. You know, there's just a lot, a lot of questions that a lot of things we tell ourselves that we really, really, really need to stop and say, like, is this true? Like, we need to approach some things with critical thinking as we're trying to build our business. We've spoken a lot about assumptions that copywriters make and that internal, that negative self-talk. For many people, not just it's not just exclusive to copywriters, you know, it happens yeah, in sure. all walks of life, doesn't it? But it's these things that hold us back and that stop us from, from going for those ideal clients sometimes before we've, you know, before we've even put ourselves out there, we've already talked ourselves out of it. So a lot of what you teach on, on the course is about the fact that case studies, social media content, all this, some of these things are non-essential, but what is essential is crafting and structuring this brilliant client experience. So can we talk to that a little bit about what a great client experience looks like for a copywriter? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's, there's such a fine, um, it's a fine line because like I have this conversation when I know I'm talking to copywriters. Cause like if, if a client was listening to this, they'd be like, wait a minute, I need my copywriter to write copy, right? And like, what I know to be true is that when I am talking to copywriters and they're sitting here saying like, I'm not a good copywriter or how do I know I'm good enough? Like they are good enough. They like, they have so much experience. They have written so much. They like, you are a good enough copywriter. And so, yes, we're, we're moving forward under the assumption that you're a skilled writer. You have the experience, you have the writing chops, you have written before, You can always learn a skill. You can always optimize copy. There is on-the-job training. We are doing responsible, good, quality work for clients in the product that we are producing. That is a given. Now we are moving on, okay? So you're already writing good copy. That's not enough. So the little voice in your head is telling you that your copy is not good enough. I I am telling you that it is. We We are... making that assumption. We are, you are suspending belief. We are operating under that assumption and moving forward. Good copy is not enough because if the same final draft is delivered at the end of the day, let's say you deliver the same beautiful final draft at the end of the day, but one experience takes 10 weeks and the client gets a weekly update and They literally, after onboarding, just have to sit back and relax and they know exactly when everything is coming in and they know when their feedback is due and they know when all of their meetings are and they're on the calendar um, from the very beginning and um, they get that weekly update. They know when everything is happening. They know what's going on. They are communicated with and at the end of their project, everything is just done and dusted and all they had to do was sit there and just watch their inbox and show up to their meetings and get their copy they are going to be so happy. You're going to get so many referrals. You're going to get an incredible testimonial and you're going to have a great case study because it is going to be reflective of exactly the strategy and the copy that you wanted. But let's say that exact same copy is delivered in even, let's say five weeks instead of 10, half the time. Oh my gosh, that would be a positive, right? But this client is emailing you saying, where 
there is this when I'm sorry, when, when is our meeting? Do we have a meeting? How many meetings do we have? Do you name me for this? Are we, how, am I, am I editing this? Can, um, can my VA come to this meeting and, um, uh, will you be giving me a first and a second draft? And do I get this in a Google doc? And do you design, is that a part of this? Also, um, are you showing up to the meeting? I'm sorry, you were 10 minutes late today. Did I get the date wrong? And then they're emailing you the next day and saying, uh, this is due today, right? Um, hey, is it, did I get this date wrong? I have it on my calendar, this is due today. And then you're emailing and saying, sorry, yes, it's due, my kid is sick and I'm just gonna be due tomorrow. At the end of the next day, you're like, oh, sorry, it's gonna be due the day after that. That is such a stressful experience for the client. They don't give a shit whether it is they same great piece of copy, they will pay double or triple for that first experience that is 10 weeks long. Then for the second one that is half the time in the same piece of copy, because now they are paying their team or themselves to chase you down. And they're paying for the stress and the unknown and possibly adding all of the other stuff like if they had that in their schedule, but now they're having to push other stuff back or change their other newsletters to now install your copy later, all of it is so unbelievably stressful. So a premium client experience that they will pay more for if the same deliverables do at the end of the day is one where they feel completely taken care of, like they were just brought into a luxury hotel, handed a bathrobe and given a massage, right? Where they are told exactly what to expect when boundaries and expectations are laid out from the beginning. And boundaries are a part of a premium client experience. Boundaries are a part of giving a client a great experience. Boundaries are not a bad word. They are not a part of telling a client to go F themselves. They are a part of telling a client what to expect and how to have the best possible possible experience with you. So it is about setting a client up for success, not about giving them cheaper, faster work. Mm -hmm. It is about taking the time that it takes with the process and the systems and the boundaries and the communication that you need to give the client the easiest, highest quality experience possible. That is the difference between a five-figure price tag and a $500 project. Yeah. I love that. I love that whole notion about the boundaries being, it's a win-win with that. With as long as you have the really clear, crystal clear client communication. So they know, they know what to expect from the get-go, like you say, and you've, you've laid out that roadmap for them ahead of time. And the boundaries that you, that you put into place are not only protecting you and your time as a copywriter, but they are, clear guidelines for the client too you can really help manage client expectations and reduce your workload reduce the overwhelm that that comes with a large project um, by setting those in place we've spoken about social media and you know we're told in social media to give great value um you've also said that that is not necessary to spend a huge amount of time there because that's not where you're going to find your premium clients necessarily we're told in social media to give value but how much should we give away for free in terms of tips how to's etc what point and when do we need to start packaging our work and, and charging for for services this is not something that i 
honestly spend a ton of time thinking about. Quite frankly, I just don't have the mental capacity and the energy to sit through like and put down like what I know on paper and then be like, all right, where is the line in the sand of like, what's free, what's behind an opt-in wall, what's behind a paywall, like that, that feels exhausting to me, but I do not think there's a such thing as giving away too much free information. I am not concerned about that one bit. There might be a point where it matters who you're trying to serve. I, I don't necessarily believe that's true, but Somebody might believe that's true and there might that might be true in some context. I don't think that that is necessarily true. How I think about it in my context with the clients I'm serving, like I could go watch YouTube and find probably enough tutorials about how to build a car. There is never a world in which I'm going to build a car. Like it's never going to happen. I'm never going to have interest, time, hair, effort, parts space ever in my life to build a car. But I drive a car. I need a car. I'm going to go buy a car, but I'm sure that information is out there. My clients, it is a given that they are hiring a copywriter. And the students that I work with, the clients, they they don't always know this. Like they're not always able to articulate this when, when we start working together. Cause again, like it's just information that they don't that they're not aware of yet. Like they don't have this context about their industry, but the clients that they're trying to reach at the prices that they want to charge, like it is a given. Their clients are not at a place where DIY is an option. Like they have a team, they are CEOs. They are not on a call where they are debating this. The decision they are making is not, am I writing my own copy or am I hiring a copywriter? They are not reading a services page with a sales argument that is trying to sell them on saving time and money by hiring a copywriter. The sales argument is not convincing them that they should hire a copywriter. Like that is not a conversation going on in their head. They are hiring a copywriter. They are bringing in a strategist and an expert to work on this campaign. Is the person in front of them the right person to partner with for this campaign? So I could film my entire process start to finish. And all that would happen is that all the other copywriters would be able to do it too, which for me is fine. I don't, there's not really such thing as competition. There's more, there's more demand than supply. Like that, that's fine with me. Go for it. Um, there is no world in which I could give away my entire process and I wouldn't have clients anymore because they might send it to their team and be like, Hey team, can you guys learn how to do this? And they couldn't because they're not me and I'm really good at what I do. And yeah. And then there's room, there's room for all of us. Right. Yeah. How how can we sort of um, break this cycle? And as as, you know, when we told to give away value on social media and to build our email list and that's how we're going to get the clients, but what are more profitable ways in your opinion of generating leads and finding these good fit clients that, that want to pay for, a service. They don't want to do it themselves. They want to pay an expert yeah. and a strategist to yeah. not only advise them, but to actually go away and deliver this work for yeah. them without the headache. Yeah. Well, it depends on your goals. We have to introduce some critical thinking into our marketing. We have to. Like, what is the end goal? Okay. For lead gen, if we are using social media, if we are using freebies, lead magnets, growing your email list for lead gen. The the strategy is by nature, putting out a tip, a trick, a 
some sort of bite-sized, yeah, valuable bite-sized thing that somebody can take to do themselves to prove how smart you are. You are by definition reaching someone who is looking for a DIY solution. That is not going to be a client with a high budget. There is no world in which that is a client with a high budget. Maybe, maybe like a client with a marketing team is like stalking you to see your material, like maybe, right? But like, that's a lot of, that's a lot of work for a maybe, like those odds don't feel great to me. So if you are using lead magnets, freebies, growing your email list, if you're using social media, those are excellent, profitable, high ROI marketing strategies. Those work for scalable products. Your email list will give you high ROI for a scalable product. If you have a one-to-many offer, absolutely use those strategies. Facebook ads, social media, organic, whatever, email list, do it. I don't need to scale for my client work. I need five to 10 clients a year to make $200,000. What somebody at that level, like the stakes are higher at that level, okay? They don't need someone who can dance or keep up with a trending audio or has put together a PDF. They need a trusted authority with credibility, right? They need someone that that is not going to, that they're not going to dump all their money into and, and lose their money, okay? So ideally, someone at that level, a CEO, someone who is looking to run a large campaign is looking for a trusted, credible source. That would ideally come from a referral, but they're not always, so like they are likely to go to a peer and ask, who do you use? Who do you know? So yes, the fastest way to get a premium client is to break into a circle and stay in that circle. Stay with me though, because I know that that sounds impossible. You're like, F you, Brittany, how do you break into a circle? <laughs> right, stay with me. We're going to get there, right? So like, that, but we have to know how their minds work, right? Because it's like, we can't just go and do like market research on Elon Musk. I don't want to work with Elon Musk. I like truly do not work. But I'm just saying like, let's just put this into perspective. You can't just be like, let me go do market research on this like private seven figure CEO, right? This person who I can't just, you know, isn't in a Facebook group asking questions or like, isn't posting stories on Instagram, right? Not the easiest to do market research, but that's where someone is going to go when the stakes are higher. They're going to go to someone that they trust, appear someone at their level. So they're going going to go look to someone who is credible to them to say, who do you use? Who do you trust? What names do you know? So if you're already in a circle or if your name is already known, great, wonderful. Unfortunately, it doesn't take much. Like we should probably do a little more fact checking. Like I said, the first big opportunity I get, it was literally because somebody was like, oh, I know somebody. And then that person went to that person. That person was like, I don't have capacity. Let me see who I know. And then that person reached out to another person. And that person was like, huh, I know another name. And that name just happened to be mine. Like they didn't know if I was any good. Like it was literally like they knew my name. I mean, it was ridiculous. We should probably think more than this, right? So like, that's nice. That works, right? If you are in the circle, great. If you can get your name just out there known, great. But all it takes is to have some sort of credibility attached to your name. How I have done that and how I recommend other people do that is through high visibility and publicity opportunities. And that can be as simple as doing exactly what I'm doing right now. Talking on a platform, talking on a platform or another audience that has credibility. 
if you can get somebody else's stamp of approval, that is by nature a referral. So when you are able to speak on a platform, whether that is a stage, whether that is a podcast, whether that is a media publication, that not only gets your name out there at a much, much, much bigger, wider level. And I know I just said like the scalable audience doesn't matter, but that's very different than like pumping all of your marketing time and energy into doing this lead gem, which is absolutely exhausting and expensive, both time and energy and resources than like pitching one public and then getting exposed to hundreds, thousands, or millions, depending on the the platform, and certainly not one-on-one cold pitching clients, absolutely not, like getting that authority and credibility attached to your name is by nature getting your name out there, breaking into that circle and attaching that credibility and authority to you and to what you do. That is how you start to break into those circles. That is how you, how you start to get to, oh, I heard about this person that does that. Oh, I heard about this person in this. Oh, I worked with this one person and then they do this and then this and this. And then you start getting passed around like, like herpes. Like it's, <laughs> it's crazy, but that is how it works. That yeah. is what I recommend. That is what, and it's not, just to be super clear, what I am not saying is that everyone who teaches social media or cold pitching or this or this is bad and wrong. And that is that is incorrect. What I am saying is there are strategies for getting your first few clients. There are strategies for when you are starting out. And there are strategies for entry-level clients and copywriting and work. And premium clients require a different level of lead gen. There's premium client lead gen. And there's entry client lead gen, and they are two separate things. What got you to where you are is not the same thing that you keep doing to get to where you want to be next. And that is that is a, the thing that I think when people start hitting a wall, that's the wall that they're hitting. They're like, I'm, I keep doing the same thing and it's not working. And it's like, well, yeah, because if you do the thing that kept bringing in the $2,000 client, well, then it's going to keep bringing in the $2,000 client. So you just raised your prices to $10,000, but you keep bringing in the $2,000 client. Like that, That's why this is, the, the math doesn't math. That's why this doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. That authority building piece is, is really important, isn't it? And having that credibility, that third party endorsement, you know, borrowing other people's audiences, if you like, you know, by appearing in people's summits and speaking opportunities, getting yourself on stages, whether they're virtual or real, putting yourself out there, guest blogging podcasting, all of those things are, are great ways to, to be seen by a wider audience and to, to get yeah. picked up and have that, those lucky breaks come to you that bit quicker and that bit faster. And, and um, yeah, and have a point of view because, because the thing is what CEOs are is innovative. They're innovative and they are creative. They are the Steve jobs. They like, they are the innovators. So when you, if you're like, oh, I'm not like everyone else, that is good. When you get on a platform, when you speak, even if it's speaking in a really small group, like I want you to think of publicity and visibility as I, I forget the name of the game, but that game that like you start with a pen and you end up with a house, you know, where you just keep trading up and like you you just like you trade the pen for like a book and then you trade the book for like a lamp and then you trade the you know what I mean? Like you just and I don't. I just want to be super clear. People are not like stepping stones. It's not about that. It's that like every person, every opportunity matters. There's no such thing as like a small audience or a small platform. Like 
every person listening, every person reading, every person hearing matters. And it doesn't matter if it's the wrong audience. Like, I don't care if it's the wrong audience. It doesn't matter. These opportunities are really important, but you start to develop your point of view. And when you don't sound like everyone else, that's really, really good because the innovators are looking for the person who who has that unique perspective. You don't have to be the next big thing. You don't have to be the like the person with the craziest, wildest idea, the thing that's never been done before. You just have to have a unique perspective and see things in a different way or to see things in a way that excites and ignites that innovator who wants to do things differently. And I know that the people listening are so tired of something in their industry or they're so tired of the same old, same old, or they think things are changing and nobody is catching up. That's your unique point of view. And that's the thing that you shout from the rooftops that somebody's going to be really, really attracted to. Yeah, yeah. In some ways, it's a bit of a, a cliche now, isn't it, to be all, your true, authentic self? But essentially, it is really important to just to be yourself, and it's so much easier to be that than to try and be this persona that that you're not. And um, actually, that's really refreshing to hear that you know people are looking for the uniqueness, they're looking for the quirks, they're looking for what differentiates you. And the only way you can really show that is to be true to yourself, tell your stories from an authentic place and, and to show what you do in your in your way. Can we talk a little bit about the sort of new world for copywriters? We're entering this new era where robots will do the writing. And there is talk. I think chat GPT and AI is a tool that we can use, but there is talk and there's been scaremongering and fear that actually copywriters are now redundant. Um, People can just get us the robot to do the work, ask the question, put that prompt in. And I'd like to sort of get your take really on the rise of AI tools and, and whether you think they have devalued, devalued our work as copywriters. Yeah, I mean, Jerry's out. I'm interested. I wanna, I wanna like we're playing with it. I wanna know more. Um yeah, it it can write, but can it get conversions? That's what I want to know. And that's what I haven't seen. I'm, I have no fear, anxiety about being replaced. I, I want to go faster. I want to move faster. I want to use it. Like it is a tool. It's a tool I'm really excited about. We've been testing using it to synthesize our research faster, to summarize and organize our research faster. What I'm not using it for is to um, come up with messaging that, and that is something I'm very, very, I withhold the right to change my mind, but for now I am not interested in it doing research for me. We do a lot of very, very hands-on, very detailed audience research for our clients. Um, we have a very proprietary process and it's very involved, very extensive, and it is, I think solely responsible for why we get the conversion rates that we do. And I'm not interested in that changing, but it also takes so long to analyze. So I'm not going to ask ChatGPT to give me three problems X person could be experiencing because I don't care what it can crawl from the internet. I need to hear what my client's audience is currently going through right now in 2023 with anxiety and depression after three years after a pandemic and the economic collapse and a global up, like all, right, all of this stuff. Um, what I want to do is plug all that in there and say, what are the patterns you're seeing? Summarize this for me, pull this out for me, right? So that's super exciting for me. 
Um, because when I can go faster there, then I can say, hey, client, instead of um, taking 12 weeks and only giving you this stuff, I took 12 weeks and gave you all the things I promised. And also then I made this list for you. And then I pulled together all these FAQs and then I made this resource as well, right? Like those things are super exciting to me. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm actually more excited about where it can help us in the process of the research and going faster and organizing information. I think we're just starting to scratch the surface in, in how it can help with the writing. But where I think it fails the most is the messaging. Because if, if you don't know the message, no matter how great the copy is, like, I don't think it's going to convert. And I could be wrong. Like it can get smarter and maybe it can start crawling the internet and start getting more relevant and accurate and targeted information. Like maybe, and and maybe that will change and that's fine. Like that's, then we'll just adapt and we'll figure out how to use that tool. Like it can't replace, it cannot replace my strategic brain. And I don't know what that looks like. And then what you charge for and how, fa- and what that, how you package that, like, I don't care. I will figure that out and, and figure out how you use that with clients. Like my brain is strategic and and it's good and it makes clients a lot of money. And I'm excited to see what that looks like. We have taken client projects that have made our clients a lot of money and then said, okay, we know what really good copy looks like. What if we didn't have this copy? Let's play with, with the research and plug it into chat GPT and see what we could get out. And it's kind of crap. Like we can't get anywhere close to it. And that's kind of disappointing to me because I'm like, oh, I want to get, I want to get close to the good copy so that we can go faster, you know? So. Yeah, it's a tool. And I agree. It still needs, we still need that human touch. And as copywriters, I think our strength lies in getting the messaging piece right. I love the idea of chat GPT as a sort of virtual assistant now to really, like you say, expedite that whole research process and actually take the copy that that we've developed and plug it in and see how perhaps it be, can be crafted differently or how how it can be turned into 10 different social media posts to save us time on content and stuff like that but it's never going to do that quality strategic work and it's never going to do the voice of customer research that we really need in our own messaging to reflect back to people mm-hmm. so how do we thrive as copywriters now when everyone thinks that they can do our job, but even chat GPT thinks it can do our job, but actually it can't. How we thrive is through having that unique skill set in terms of messaging strategy and launch strategy. I mean, it can tell us a process, it can map out an outline, but it can't get into the nuanced level of detail that we need. Yeah. Our clients. No, I do think we need to focus on messaging and strategy. I do think our services and our package and our message and our unique point of view needs to be focused on that. And and I'm not a naysayer and I'm not skeptical and I'm not scared. Like, I think we need to work with it and I think we need to learn how to use it. And I do think it's an exciting tool and I do think it's going to help us be smarter, better, faster. Like, I think all of that is great. And I think that a lot of people that would hire copywriters are going to go use it and they're going to use it for their campaigns. And they're going to be really excited. They're going to get a lot of copy. They're going to use it for those campaigns and their campaigns might not make a lot of money. And if they do, I think that's great. I think it's great if they do because times are really hard right now. But I think without the messaging and the strategy, I don't think those campaigns are going to make a lot of money. And so I think it might be a little bit of wait and see. And I think in that wait and see, copywriters need to be 
in their everyday in chat GPT or in all of these other tools, figuring out how to use it in their systems and processes and their business, not just in their writing process, in their business. It automatically transcribes all of our meetings and creates action items for us and puts it in a ClickUp card, like automatically every day. Um, Figure out how to play with it because it's not going to make our potential clients a lot of money. I don't think, again, I could be wrong. Mm -hmm. There is a wait and see element to it, but in the meantime, we can be playing with it. We can be optimizing our own processes and um, and we can be waiting for the rebound of all the people who've tried to launch, <laughs> do a chat GPT only launch and, and then it flops and then they come. Actually, we need specialist help. And that's where we step in. Yeah. I mean, I right now, like it's going to get smarter. It's going to get better. So I'm happy to eat my words. But right now, man, I see some stuff out there and I'm like, oh, this was this was written by a chat bot. It, it is bad. It is bad. And people like. The thing is, as copywriters, we know how to use it a lot better than most people. And what people are putting out there is bad right now. So like you go learn how to use it better than everyone else. And people are still going to hire you because you can learn how you can use it better than everyone else. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. like just, just like any other tool, formula, research, like, like they don't want to build the car. They want to buy the car. So, so go make a fucking Mercedes so that they can buy it from you. Yeah, great analogy, great analogy. So tell me a little bit now about the five-figure leap. What's in it for copywriters who are interested in in designing a more premium, better optimized business for themselves? How can they work with you? Yeah, it's a 12-month program simply because what happens is you have everything in there that you need to do things really, really quickly. And then people have the next level of business and the next level of problem. And then they want kind of mentorship through that that next level of business. Um, but it is an entire business strategy handed to you on a plate. Like I said, I, I really like logistics. I'm not one for fluff. So um, all of the um, business SOP systems, templates, swipes, emails, automations, tutorials, everything that you need to set up a premium client experience and business, whether you want to hire a team, um, I teach you how to hire a team. Um, And if you don't, that's fine. I'm not interested in you creating a business that looks like mine. I want you to create the business that looks exactly like the business you want, Um, how to set up a a premium offer, how to create a premium experience, um, how to structure a process that helps you create a premium deliverable, including all of your client meetings, all of your, I mean, just, just everything. Um, it's all, it's all in there and all of that is structured in content form. So not, not really a course, but it's, it's all in there in training and templates and resources. And then there are, um, quarterly business building workshops where I take a deep dive into, um, just, different elements of business strategy and running a copywriting business, whether it's something just hyper timely and relevant or something that isn't necessarily covered in the core content. And then every Wednesday we have a live call, whether it is a Q&A teaching style call or a um, group coaching call where we work through specific challenges. And Friday, there are audits where um, you can turn in anything you are working on, whether it is web copy, business strategy, a client proposal, anything, and um, you get feedback. And that is that is the program. And it's basically a year of hanging out with me. So if you hate the sound of my voice, it's not for you. <laughs> well, I like the sound of it. I know that it's tried and tested for me. I love the audits are so valuable. I don't know what your, you know, for your clients, the sort of money that they pay for um, 
that done for you service it's top dollar but you're giving this mentorship this strategy away to students on the program and uh, it's so valuable so thanks very much Brittany um I'll put links in the show notes there's an affiliate link there to the five-figure leap so check it out have a little look and think about that thank you for your time thank you so much for having me it was a great conversation It was really great speaking with Brittany just now. She is a wise head on young shoulders and she's got a great knack for strategy and critical thinking. So if you're listening to this podcast in May, then you're in luck. Um, She's opening the doors to her Five Figure Leap program with an open house. It's absolutely free. You'll get access to some of her trainings. You'll be invited on a live coaching call every Wednesday. So you can get a really good inside look of what it's like to work with Brittany. I completely recommend it. I'll put the affiliate link in the show notes. There is no obligation. There will be no hard sell and there is no price to pay. So soak it up and enjoy. You have been listening to the Cracking Copy podcast with Ella Hoyos and Minnie McBride. Don't miss out on future episodes by making sure you hit subscribe down below to keep up with all our podcasts. And more details and resources are in our show notes. So we'll see you next time.